had he not been there had this he had not laid the foundation of sikh nationalism the entire northern plain whether it's your ganges and yamuna the entire north india would have been islamized by by now because that was the most volatile juncture the most volatile time period in the history when this, there was a civilizational battle going on between the afghans and the sikhs and the hindus the good thing about maharaja ranjit singh was that he was able to forge alliance even on uh, you know a common minimum terms because he knew that okay fine i cannot fight against britishers but at the same time all these small kingdoms all these rulers who have in fighting going on amongst themselves this is a good time to get control of all, all those areas maharaja ranjit singh could not get control of kashmir in 1819 what would have been the repercussion today kashmir would have largely gone towards have gone towards the afghanistan the afghanistan would have had a control over kashmir and kashmir would have become a part of uh, the afghanistan as a country now uh thank you so much folks for coming this afternoon i know it's saturday and uh, all of you must be preoccupied with something or the other but thank you so much for coming and uh, so before starting i would like to first uh, introduce myself i'm i'm a lawyer by profession and uh, and a student of uh, law and politics and try to learn everything from the history what has gone wrong and what could have been corrected in the past so maybe the ramification the repercussions that would take place would have been different so this actually gives me an immense pleasure to come here and to speak uh, on something which is very close to me about maharaja ranjit singh the legendary emperor of punjab so uh, before that i would just uh, establish my locus because being a lawyer first i i need to clear my locus why i'm speaking on this topic because i'm not a historian i'm not a political science student but at the same time i'm uh, i uh, being a lawyer uh, it actually helps me to analyze the issue to understand what exactly went wrong at that point of time what ex- exactly could have been taken care of for how, how ranjit singh is uh, been the most Im- indispensable and the most important ruler that and the most important thing that has happened in the 19th century so uh, starting from so this is the map of india between 1760 to 1800 we need to first understand uh, what happened exactly in 1761 so 1761 was the most landmark year because the battle of panipat had took place in 1761 when ahmed shah abdali the afghan chieftain had defeated the marathas in the battle so if you see the map if we go towards the north oh, close to punjab in 1770s basically sikh confederacies were called as as missiles missiles were the basically the missile is a persian word which means equal so all these small groups were formed and the leader of that missiles was jassa singh aluwalia jassa singh aluwalia actually had started the missile confederacies if i have to talk what happened in 18th century the one person who should be credited for the sikh empire it was ahmed shah abdali because ahmed shah abdali when after defeating marathas in 1761 he moved backward and he went back to afghanistan so sikh who were good at the guerrilla fighting they actually started taking over all those territories which were under the control of uh, uh, mughals and uh, other pe- uh, other other kingdoms so the important kingdoms at that point of time were marathas the britishers were coming from down south they have they were indulged in the third kanetic war which happened in 1780s and later on the fourth kanetic war that happened in 1790s 
so in 1780 in 21st november maharaja ranjit singh was born he was uh, he was he actually was born in the place at a place called gujranwala which is in uh, punjab pakistan most of the uh, uh, the missiles which were there they had constant infighting uh, was there among the, among them and they were actually not on cordial terms with each other so ranjit singh's father maha singh was leading the sukal chakia missile which was the one of the most uh, strongest missiles in the among the 12 missiles which were there Bharat ranjit singh uh, was born in 1780 and at the age of uh, 7 or 8 years he had a smallpox in the eye and he lost one of his eye and still uh, b despite the, b despite that fact he was still a very uh, brave so uh, he was very brave and he in fact had envisioned that after many years there's going to be a time when Sikh supremacy will uh, take over the entire area and he is going to be leading, leading, uh, leading the foundation of the Sikh nationalism and the Sikh state as a Sikh, Sikh sovereign state which would be free from all the other uh, uh, incursions whether it's from northwest, whether it's from south, down south, whether it's from east or whatever area. So we need to understand in uh, around 1780s, 1790s uh, where were the Marathas and where were the Britishers. So first after what happened well, after 1761 war was after Battle of Panipat, the Marathas actually had lost control in the north. Before that, they had uh, exclusive control on the northern territories. But then, what happened was, they came towards down south. But still, in no time, they were able to capture Agra in four to five years. So again, they were uh, posing themselves as a threat to the northern uh, rulers. French were actually also involved in the wars and the infightings and they actually they also had a struggle going on the, the struggle for power was basically between the britishers and french down south so after uh, in 17 uh, 1790s if i have to come in 1790s zaman ali zaman ali was the grandson of ahmed shah abdali he had come down uh, to rotas so rotas is a place is a district which which is now in uh, uh, pakistan so he had come down to Rotas and he had this thing that he has again has to take control of the entire Punjab area because after uh, Ahmed Shah Abdali, uh, Ahmed Shah Durrani also is also known as, he left and this Afghans had this thing that they still have to take control of the entire region. So Sikhs uh, were at that time they were completely divided. They were they had uh, I mean they had no power. They, the horsemen were less. They don't have any technology at that time. Didn't, did not have any weapons, nothing. So, Maharaja Ranjit Singh, he was in his teens, he was 18, 19 years old and with help of Kanhaiya missile, which is of uh, Sada, Sada Kaur, who was her mother-in-law also, of one of the daughters who got married to Ranjit Singh, she played a very vital role in basically uh, resisting this invasion of Zaman Ali in the area. So she was the in charge of Kanhaiya missile, which was among the one of the missiles, which like I mentioned, and she uh, played a very important role in stopping the incursion with another person who was very important, who was a very close aide to Ranjit Singh. His name was Fateh Singh Aluwalia. So Fateh Singh Aluwalia and Sadakor played a very key role uh, in the region, and they basically stopped Zaman Ali. So Zaman Ali basically what happened was that Zaman Ali also had some issues going on back in Afghanistan. So he also had to uh, go backward. He, when he ba went backward, he lost most of his tops, uh, most of his ammunition in the Indus River, in the Sindhu River. So now he could not get those uh, uh, ammunition back. So he basically approached 
Maharaja Ranjit Singh that how he can help him. So Maharaja Ranjit Singh, he approached, he, he spoke back to uh, Zaman Ali, he said, I can only help you on the one condition, if you allow me to take control of the area, and if you don't uh, for, for, do further incursions in the region after this. So a pact was made and Zaman Ali had to go back to Afghanistan and this is how the foundation of Maharaja Ranjit Singh's empire was laid. Now, we have many accounts and uh, I mean obviously after this incident in 1800, 1801, Maharaja Ranjit Singh's acceptability among the other Sikh chieftains and in other missiles was started getting acknowledged. He was accepted as somebody who had a vision, somebody who had a valor and courage to combat the forces coming from Afghanistan. Now, this is brief history. Now, I would like to analyze this, why Ranjit Singh is important today. I have to draw the parallel, I have to draw the conclusion, why he is important today, at this juncture when we are in 2019. Maharaj Ranjit Singh was there 200 years back, but he is still important to understand things which uh, India could have faced that point of time. Had he not been there, had this, he had not laid the foundation of Sikh nationalism, the entire northern plain, whether it's your Ganges and Yamuna, the entire north India would have been Islamized by, by now. Because that was the most volatile juncture, the most volatile time period in the history when this, there was a civilizational battle going on between the Afghans and the Sikhs and the Hindus. So one thing which we owe to Ranjit Singh is that something otherwise, I mean you never know, maybe in 1947 when uh, Muslim League was fighting for a separate country, you never know, I mean they would have asked for some more areas which would have been extremely significant for us, security wise, strategy wise. So one of his important contribution was to stop the Afghan rules, Afghan rule coming to and penetrating into the northern territories. Now this is one incident where uh, he started getting hold of the small, small uh, provinces and he started taking and his acceptability started uh, getting acknowledged among all the missiles and among all the communities. Now the biggest challenge for Maharaj Ranjit Singh from here was that since he was, uh, his coronation ceremony took place in 1801. His coronation took place, uh, the foundation was laid but however there was no idea what needs to be done now. So, Mahaja Ranjit Singh started playing a great game. He understood that his biggest rival in the coming years, his biggest challenge would be the Britishers. Because he understood that Britishers are hell-bent to conquer Punjab and through that they want to reach Khyber and they want to take control of the entire uh, northwest uh, frontier provinces and Afghanistan. So, as to basically stop French because the major counter uh, major challenge for the Britishers at that point of time was Napoleon Bonaparte who was the ruler in France at that time in the last 15-20 years of uh, 18th century. So to counter Napoleon, okay so I'm just diverting from the topic, uh, if you guys must be aware about what happened in the Anglo-Afghanistan war in 1836-1838, Britishers actually could not fought, they, they, were, they literally gave up they could not fight in the, uh, the deserted areas and the, because the landscape of the entire area is too difficult for the Britishers to fight. So they also understood that Sikhs are the natural allies and Sikhs can actually help them. They can be the counter to, uh, they can uh, pose their counterpoise to the, uh, to the, uh, to the Napoleon Bonaparte if he, if he comes to India. Now here something which is very important for me to tell you about is the Treaty of Amritsar that has happened. So Treaty of Amritsar had taken place on 23rd. 
April 1809. Lord Minto was the governor uh, was the governor general that time, and uh, Lord Minto, since he knew that we have to counter Napoleon Bonaparte, we really need to do something in those areas. So he, through Mr. Charles Metcalf, who later on became the governor general in 1836 to 1838, uh, he had approached him and he said that you, being a civil servant, you go and you speak to Maharaja Ranjit Singh that how we can. Uh, form an alliance and how we can uh, like you know we can actually stop Napoleon Bonaparte to come into, into the Indian territories. So the initial meeting was not well I mean the, because uh, Charles Metcalf though he was a very sound civil servant and he was also known as the liberator of press because he was the one who had liberated press in the coming years. Uh, he basically was not very welcoming and he was not uh, very comfortable about the fact that Sikhs had demanded the most favored nation status from the Britishers. Now, he could not allow the free sovereignty of Sikhs in those areas. He was of the opinion that you never know Sikhs can turn which side. He did not rely upon them. But fortunately and luckily for, for Maharaja Ranjit Singh that Napoleon Bonaparte got involved in the other fights in Spain and in Russia, that he could not come towards this side. So that actually gave freedom to Charles Metcalf and Octor Loney, who was his assistant. And they took the orders from the governor general who was in Calcutta that time that, okay, fine, we are happy to get into the treaty and Mahaja uh, Ranjit Singh's army cannot come towards from the south, towards the south of the Satlaj River. So the boundary at that time for Mahaja Ranjit Singh was the Sikh provinces in the present Punjab in Pakistan and uh, your uh, Satlaj River in the south. Now, coming to how those provinces and how these small areas like Multan, uh, and uh, Atok and uh, uh, Rawalpindi and all the Sialkot, all these, how they came under the uh, influence of Mahaja Ranjit Singh, they have got an amazing story. So this map is very important to understand. So all these areas, if you see in the map, they were the part of the, the then Punjab. So in 1839, again, is the most important year when Mahaja Ranjit Singh died. So Mahaja Ranjit Singh died in 1839 and he left this, uh, this, this uh, state, which was there, which was uh, which was integrated with West Punjab, which is now Himachal Pradesh, of course, and uh, towards the north, if you would say, Srinagar, Kashmir, and Khyber Pass. So we will be discussing it, and I, I, I would be speaking it in detail about how Kashmir also became the part, how Atok became the part, how uh, uh, Jamrud became the part of uh, uh, Maharaja Ranjit Singh's uh, state. So starting now from, uh, if we're talking about the conquest and of the Afghan and how uh, Sikh. Uh, armies had actually responded to those attacks. It is we cannot uh, forget the contribution of uh, Hari Singh Nalwa, who was his commander in chief, and, and also uh, Fula Singh, who was the leader of the Nihang Six, who played a very important role in uh, in the administration and in the army and the military of Maharaja Ranjit Singh. So Hari Singh Nalwa was the the reason why he had was called Nalwa was because uh, of his pause because he is. is uh, Claws were very strong, and he was known as somebody who had actually, I mean, had uh, won almost 15 to 20 battles in the stint of 15 to 17 years. And he died in Jamrud in 1837. That too, also against the uh, in, uh, because uh, uh, Maharaja Ranjit Singh's grandson, Nonihar Singh, was getting married in uh, 1837. So most of his army from Jamrud had come back to Amritsar to attend the wedding. He was left alone with few soldiers, and Afghans attacked at last moment at Jamrud, and he was killed. But 
to mention about him he played a very important role in all these small wars that had happened uh, in the stint of uh, 1800 to 1820 now coming to 1809 when the treaty of amritsar was signed around that <clears throat> if you see what had happened was that they had started uh, uh, mahadev ranjit singh's army had attacked multan first so in multan what had happened was in multan there was a ruler called muzaffar khan the muzaffar khan was very adamant he was he was responding to the zaman ali and zaman ali was ex extremely um, desperate and he was, the, the, all these desperados basically again want to wanted to take the control so um, this uh, muzaffar khan had given strong resistance uh, to mahadev ranjit singh mahadev ranjit singh with the help of uh, zamzam top zamzam ammunition which was again the most important ammunition at that point of time zamzam ammunition zamzam top is the same ammunition the same top which was used by ahmed shah abdali in the maratha uh, against the in the panipat war against the maratha so those zamzam ammunitions he got uh, and he used it in the multan as a first time as a uh, as a strategy for the warfare so zamzam uh, ammunitions were used and muzaffar khan with his nephews were killed and this is how they had seized multan at the uh, first instance now since because they had started moving towards the north now obviously uh, the other provinces like uh, sialkot and the other uh, other areas they were not happy they literally but the problem was they did not had any formidable uh, leadership so what had happened was that there was no resistance given and most of these areas and most of these jagis were taken over easily by ranjit singh the biggest resistance which he had faced was in noshera when phula singh who was his uh, a com uh, military commander he had died so phula singh also had played a very important role in multan now in 1813 mahadev ranjit singh had started going towards north and he decided to take control of kashmir but because of the uh, difficult uh, terrains because of the difficult area he could not go there there was a shortage of food supply his soldiers were killed and the mission had failed the same similarly he also had faced a setback in malwa towards south which is uh, uh, because at that time like he had already entered into a treaty with, uh, of uh, a treaty with britishers so he could not control malwa but he he really wanted malwa to be a part of his and to accede into into his kingdom but in 1813 he had failed but in 1819 this was the most uh, turning point the most significant year in the mahadev ranjit singh's life because in 1819 he get, he got the control of both peshawar atok towards the which is the north northwest frontier province khyber pakhtunwa in the present pakistan and kashmir also so in khyber pakhtunwa uh, in uh, in peshawar what had happened was there was this uh, governor his name was mohammad khan there were two brothers dost khan mohammad khan and there one was yari khan so mohammad khan uh, also had initially entered into a fight with mahadev ranjit singh and he was supported by a lot of these khatak soldiers and uh, yusuf aziz who had who come from the pashto come from the baluchistan area so all these baluch tribes whether it's yusuf aziz under the name of the jihad and all these gazis had decided to combat mahadev ranjit singh but such was his valor and such was his display of uh, strategic warfare that even ha having a i mean army of less uh, 50000 less men they, he could still get the control of all those areas all because of the valor of mahadev ranjit singh and uh hari singh nalwa and uh phula singh so now the thing with mahadev ranjit singh was that he had one thing very clear now since he's he, now in 1819 he's 39 years old he's at peak of his uh, 
this thing uh, at his uh, uh, his life, peak of his uh, uh, career and now he is basically now intending to get the other territories also in the west of the uh, uh, no no so west he has conquered now he wants to get into the east so basically now he wants to uh, merge the west punjab east punjab also which is now himachal pradesh so he went towards those areas and he had defeated sansal uh, sansal who was the rajput uh, 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 leader of uh, uh, kangra fort so he had conquered the kangra fort at that time with the help of amar singh thapa who was again a, a, a nepali uh, who's a gorkha ruler so the the good thing about maharaja ranjit singh was that he was able to forge alliance even on uh, you know a common minimum terms because he knew that okay fine i cannot fight against britishers but at the same time all these small kingdoms all these rulers who have in fighting going on amongst themselves this is a good time to get control of all, all those areas in kashmir in 1819 when he had uh, when he could not uh, get a control the, there was this uh, person called uh, jabar khan who was the brother of uh, this ruler called uh, uh, azim uh, uh, khan azim khan and his brother jabar khan they basically tried they were giving some resistance but azim khan had to go back to afghanistan so jabar khan who was the one who had started killing kashmiri pandits at that time Kashmiri pandits also owe a lot to Maharaja Ranjit Singh because Birbal Dhar, who was the who was the chieftain in the in the Kashmir at that time, he had come down to meet Ranjit Singh to basically inform him that Kashmir right now is very easy. It's it's very uh, easy to gain control over Kashmir because the, uh, it is absolutely disturbed and there's absolutely nobody who have that uh, authority and who have that. Uh, charisma to uh, get control of Kashmir. So, so Jabar Khan was defeated by Hari Singh Nalwa, and soon after that, uh, Hari Singh Nalwa took control of Kashmir as a governor. So, by 1819, 1820, almost all these areas were under the control of Maharaja Ranjit Singh. Now, if I have to think, I mean, if Maharaja Ranjit Singh could not get control of Kashmir in 1819, what would have been the repercussion today? Kashmir would have largely gone towards have gone towards the afghanistan the afghanistan would have had a control over kashmir and kashmir would have become a part of uh, the afghanistan as a country now so whatever that happened on 5th august 2019 when 370 was revoked and indian government uh, i mean india has now complete control over the state of jammu and kashmir it could have not happened i mean we could not even have thought about it had maharaja ranjit singh could have have not, have not taken control of kashmir in 1819 so Whatever happened on fifth August eighteen nineteen, one person whom India should really owe to is Maharaja Ranjit Singh. Now, about Maharaja Ranjit Singh's legacy. Now, the the the, the biggest issue with Maharaja Ranjit Singh's legacy is that Maharaja Ranjit Singh was the king of Lahore, and Maharaja Ranjit Singh his capital was Lahore. Now, the, Lahore being the capital, now Lahore obviously went to Pakistan after nineteen forty seven. The so most of his work, most of his uh, you know whatever he has contributed in terms of uh, Uh, infrastructure if you have to understand that you have to read that it all everything has gone to the other side now and pakistan if you read the historians of pakistan what they say about maharaja ranjit singh they have got a very different view because their history has been written from a different civilizational perspective so this is where the problem is i mean because the way he has been appropriated by the historians in pakistan because most of his areas which he had control whether it was khyber pass or whether it was jamrud all went that side so there was been no proper research and study which has been conducted on his administration we all know about his military prowess we all know about his uh, significant contribution in the uh, to the you know to the uh, geo strategy and geopolitics 
of the area. But at the same time, if you have to understand the administration aspect, one cannot understand it because they have not go gone there, has not been able to understand all those aspects now. So now, these are some pictures of uh, the Afghan conquest, those wars that had happened that time. This is Hari Singh Nalwa. And this is the bat uh, this is the Jamrud fort which uh, Maharaj Ranjit Singh and his army had captured after the Atok War in uh, 1819. So this is the same place where uh, Hari Singh Nalwa was killed in 1837. Yeah, this is just a brief uh, description about the battles which I had just mentioned: the Battle of Multan, the Battle of Kasur. The Battle of Kasur was the first battle that uh, was among the, all the battles which Hari Singh Nalwa and Maharaj Ranjit Singh had fought together. Yeah, this battle of Peshawar, again I mentioned, those Muhammad accepted sovereignty of Maharaja over Peshawar in 1820-1821. Even Dera Ghazi Khan, Hazara and Mankira with huge tracts of land between Jhelum and Indus were included in the kingdom. In 1823, Yusuf Azi tribesmen fought Ranjit Singh's army close to Kabul River. So the entire life of Maharaja Ranjit Singh uh, actually went in fighting with the, the tribesmen, with the, with the uh, Afghan and with the Yusuf Azi tribes. This is again how Kashmir became a part of Punjab. So like I mentioned, it's because of the supplies that were, were on, bank, on time and also uh, in Kashmir what had happened was that uh, there was this, uh, so Kashmir, Kashmir uh, uh, this thing had started, occupation had happened. Mahajal Anjit Singh army had started moving from Lahore to Sialkot to the provinces of Jammu, which is today Apna Rajori and Punch. So in Rajori, when he went, uh, there's a place called Bhimbar, which is now in Pakistan, which is a part of Pakistan occupied Jammu. I'm not talking about the Kashmir part. The Pakistan occupied Jammu, which is towards south, southern, southern side of the Jammu and Kashmir. The Bhimbar's commander, Mr. Sultan, uh, Sultan Khan had actually helped Maharaj Ranjit Singh to go in the difficult terrains. And so it is not correct that only it was only Hindus. It was a lot of Muslim chieftains around the Jammu Kashmir area who actually had helped Maharaj Ranjit Singh to gain control over Kashmir. Now, in, by 1819-1820, Mahajan Ranjit Singh was that powerful that his, his state had shared boundaries with Tibet and China at that point of time. And in South, obviously, he had sh shared boundaries with uh, Britishers. The Treaty of Amritsar, we have already spoken about. One uh, important fact which I have to mention, actually, the Sadaqal, who was, the, uh, who was from Kanaya Missile, who was also mother-in-law of uh, Mahajan Ranjit Singh, she played a very important role in making this treaty possible because uh, and at the same time, it's such an irony that she literally had a, uh, had a fight with Maharaj Singh when she was getting old because she could not, she did not want Khadak Singh, who was the son of Maharaj Singh as the heir. And even Hari Singh Nalwa was not happy that Maharaj Singh wanted Khadak Singh as to become his successor and heir. So she uh, lost, so she came from Batala. So Kanaya Missile, which is uh, again the most second important missile after Sakal Chakya Missile, she uh, uh, so she came from Kanaya Missile. So after her death, Maharaj Singh also got hold of the areas of Batala and other places. And uh, in the south, she got hold of uh, the entire kingdom. And uh, she died. By, but when she died, she literally uh, she was imprisoned by Maharaj Singh because she did not support Maharaj Singh later uh, in, in his later endeavors. So uh, this is how unfortunately she died. And uh, so now coming to politics and administration of Maharaj Singh. So Maharaj Singh uh, was a liberal person, he had faith in Khalsa, his, uh, the, all the chief, so, so he got all the chieftains under this name called Dal Khalsa. He, he started this, uh, this thing that all the Sikh uh, uh, missiles and all these chieftains, they come under the same umbrella and they called them as Dal Khalsa. So his idea was to have a, a sovereign Sikh state 
but at the same time his uh, his uh, practices were extremely liberal uh, he had many wives he had uh, uh, he actually actually happened to marry with a muslim notch girl also at that point of time which for which he literally faced a lot of resistance from the nihang sex because nihangs were orthodox and they did not believe in uh, marrying from uh, outside especially from the islamic religions because of the constant tussle in, uh, since past 200 years with the muslims so so for that he had to face resistance and uh, but still he managed to conquer all that his resistance with the nihangs and his resistance with the muslims now also we need to understand that the areas where mahadev ranjit singh had ruled most of them they were dominated by muslims at that point of time so having a six sovereignty over most of the dominant muslim population and something which we cannot think at this point of time it is something like if we say that imran khan is ruling pakistan which has 52% of hindu population or maybe the other way around what i am talking so this is something which actually uh, is something amazing and credible about mahadev ranjit singh the most important thing which i personally feel about mahadev ranjit singh is that he never had his name on any of the inscriptions or currency when he was the ruler he always held guru nanak as in the in the highest esteemed figure he know he knew that he is the he is the king but at the same point of time he knew that he cannot exceed his religious boundaries and he always practiced khalsa in the truest sense so that is something which is commendable because at times it's it's very tough because you fi- you fi- face so much of internal resistances from your own people because all those chieftains and landlords who, ha- who became part of the six sovereignty they were not very happy with mahadev ranjit singh at the first instance but still he was accepted by all the people with of all the uh, faith all the religions whether it is uh with the muslims and you know uh, hindus and khatris and i'm talking about hindu hindu punjabis so doing all this is something which was amazing and incredible about this uh, this man now also about uh, the other aspects of the administration maharajit singh uh, unfortunately was part of a lot of battles throughout his life his, his most of the life actually went in giving resistance to britishers marathas and uh, uh, afghanis but so the focus on the administration uh, was something which i think whatever he could achieve in those years is still very significant like for example he actually solved the problem of water treatment of lahore area so uh, so lahore at that time uh, before ranjit singh was ruled by bangi bangi six so bangi chieftain so the, the bangi bangi uh, missile is the same uh, missile from from them he had taken the zamzam ammunition also that the top which i spoke about which was used in 1761 war so that top he had recovered from bangi six the bangi six had the control of lahore and lahore before 1801 before ranjit singh's coronation had happened was absolutely a chaotic chaotic city mahadev ranjit singh after he assumed the power he took he took up he he basically improved the sewage system the water treatment system of lahore and something uh, and he made lahore as a as a as a as a very uh, as, a, as a as a he actually opened the the commercial routes for the people who wanted to do business in the central asia through silk route and also facilitated trade with the other neighboring states so uh, so he promoted commerce and uh, uh, tourism like anything and now one thing which something which we have i mean we cannot obviously uh, leave this aspect is something about how he uh, played a very important role in promoting the the foreign people like the french and the britishers in his army so his army uh, if you see uh, the lot of uh, there's a couple there are two people that the, who have got, got a very special mention you have they need to be mentioned is uh, jean ventura and jean arkar who had played a very important role in training his army he got them he actually so, so it was a combination of both like the nihang six who were practicing 
the traditional Sikh ways of fighting and getting the Western uh, strategic uh, this thing also. So he actually merged both both the things and he used that in the his further wars which he had done. Now, another important aspect about his administration which uh, needs to be mentioned is how he got Kohinoor diamond. Kohinoor also he got from Shah Shuza, who Shah Shuza happened to be the grandson of Ahmed Shah Abdali, who was a very powerful ruler. And he actually had captured Shah Shuza in Lahore and uh, he sent his one of his uh, affiliate that go and get the diamond, but Shah Shuza was very adamant. But, unfortunately, uh, but ultimately, he, he personally went there and he you know, made him do everything on his terms and he got the diamond and the diamond lasted with him till the, till the time he was alive. And then later on, he donated it to Kashi Vishwanath. So, from that angle, I mean, Maharaj Singh was extremely far-sighted, and he played. A, uh, I mean, he was. Uh, he he knew that it's very important to, to get because Kohinoor at that point of time was I mean, uh, was a sign of superiority, was a sign of power. I mean, if you cannot get that, I mean, you're not powerful in the truest sense. So, so he he knew why why it was important. Maharaj Singh also, we have to uh, if you uh, would read and analyze, Maharaj Singh was not big fan of uh, these. Uh, big programs of and these all these you know uh, expensive uh, uh, pomp and show. He he was a very uh, he was a person who believed in having a low life. At the same time, he wanted people around him, whether it's, it's people in his, who are who were his courtesans, who were his uh, commander in chiefs, to have a great time. You know, so he basically used to uh, uh, reward all his soldiers who used to parade like uh, you know uh, really well in front of him because his parades used to happen very frequently. So he cared about his people. Uh, in the administration also, if you see, there are a lot of people like um, uh, Pandit Dinanath and uh, uh, Birbal uh, Dhar, who was a Kashmiri Pandit. Then uh, uh, there were a lot of two, three other Muslims who were there, who were also very uh, important and significant part of his uh, uh, court. So from that aspect, uh, he he had a very liberal outlook towards the outlooks towards things, and he wanted the people should assimilate and at the same time. Uh, Sikh supremacy should be there in the area, in the region. Yeah, is another con uh, contribution I would say is the restoration of Harminder Saab, and he also contributed uh, for the construction of Patna Saab and Takht of Nanded. Takht of Nanded is a place where Guru Gobind Singh had sacrificed his life. Uh, Harminder Saab is in Amritsar, and Patna Saab is in Patna. And we weapon, uh, yeah. So his ordinance was something which was uh, extremely amazing. He had literally ensured that uh, all his weaponries and equipments were original and also he believed in technological outsourcing and he believed in how to share the know-how with the with the foreigners so he was very particular in that i was reading a pakistani article where it was said that majid singh had succumbed to britishers at a very early stage when he entered into treaty of amritsar but i have a very contrary view to that i personally believe he was not a stooge of britishers he knew that he had to befriend somebody who was very extremely powerful at the same time how to be how to rule the, and how to uh, basically combat all the difficulties and all the uh, the, the rulers who were hellbent under the name of religion to attack him so still he managed to have his throne for 40 years is something commendable now uh, apart from that, raw material mines, cannon foundries, gunpowder and arm factories were also important. Gunpowder, something which at that time was manufactured in Punjab, was used in also uh, piercing the fort uh, in the Multan when they had attacked Muzaffar Khan back in 1803. So, uh, and he had a very special emphasis on uh, commerce. He, uh, like I said, that 
he allowed the trade to happen and he facilitated trade towards the Central Asia to all the other uh, foreigners also. A lot of these foreign scholars from all the countries, whether it is Spain, whether it is France, whether it is United States at that point of time, who, who could have had imagined 200 years back having inviting somebody from United States of America to his kingdom to do research on a lot of stuff, a lot of things which are there in the South Asia. So I, uh, in my opinion, he was the most, uh, the most significant thing that has happened in the subcontinent in the early 19th century. It's again a picture of his darbar. Now, okay, so this picture is something which uh, you know, won't find into the public domain. This picture is, uh, I have taken it from uh, Shalimar Bagh, which is in Lahore. Shalimar Bagh is a place where Maharajanjit Singh used to have his uh, uh, darbar at few times. So, and he was very fond of walking in Shalimar Bagh. So, in Shalimar Bagh, he had, uh, uh, he had actually uh, had his most of his businessmen, most of, most of his businessmen friends, the people who were concerned with the, uh, the with the revenue of the state. They all used to uh, assemble there, and he used to talk to them about how he can mix uh, uh, Punjab as a as an industrial state in the coming years. Because if you see the 18th, uh, the the late part of the 18th century in the 1780s, 1790s, the industrial revolution had started in the West. So, see, you see the vision of the person. He knew that somehow we have to, uh, we have to be in the, we have to, uh, we have to be basically in the sync with the the develop the developments, the changes that have been happening in the international scenario. So he also insisted that a lot of these landlords and businessmen, like this gentleman who's sitting next to Maharajanjit Singh in the photo, his name is Mr. Mizabal Podar. Mizamal Podar is from Rajasthan and he has got a very big opium trade. So he invited such people at that point of time. He said that revenue generation is important. Revenue generation is important for the state. A state would not be able to run. So he got all these people, he gave them tax benefits, uh, uh, he gave them jagis. He's like, okay, fine, you do business, whatever you want to do, we are happy, we are giving you all these subsidies. So his intent was. Whatever we are fighting for today, I mean, with envision, he had all those vision 200 years back. Like we have to be in sync with the West to be to promote the industrial growth, to promote infrastructure. Coming to philanthropy and humanitarian work, so there's a lot of philanthropy and humanitarian work which has been carried out by Maharajanjit Singh. Maharajanjit Singh had uh, donated a lot of gold to uh, and to Kashi Vishwanath Temple. Again, uh, Kashi Vishwanath Temple is of great significance for Hindus, and uh, it's Lord Shiva's temple. So he donated a lot of gold, a lot of uh, amount to them and he ensured that whether it's Muslim, so because the one aspect I, I forgot to mention uh, be, before, one aspect which is important to mention is about his practice of laws, how he used to practice laws in the state. So most of the Muslims, they used to practice Sharia law, but he never objected to that. At the same time, the Muslims who wanted to be governed under the customary laws, they were also welcome. So even the people who were, who were ruled under him, they had the choice of which law they want to be practiced under. This is something which is, I mean, you won't find anywhere happening in all the uh, empires if you study in the, you know, in the books or in the, in the history. So, so, this is something which was amazing about him. He, he could not, he, he allowed the, even the Muslims, even the other minorities to practice their faith and under which laws they want to be governed. And we still have not been able to figure out this after 70 years of our independence. So, you see what was happening in this has been absolutely commendable. And also, uh, he, he promoted a lot of these uh, Muslim Afghan chieftains whom, whom he has defeated, that Yad, Yad Muhammad, who was the brother of Dost Muhammad, whom he had defeated in Peshawar. He was given the control of the area, even after he was defeated and he had, uh, you know, wanted to have a jihad against him. But still, he, he pardoned him after 
he was defeated and he gave him one of his jagis to rule so such was his faith among the people like you know that he believed that okay fine he has been backstabbed couple of times but at the same time he still has to ensure that this person is being treated with dignity this is again the one of the photos from his darbar so he had an open darbar where anybody could go to him even hari singh nalwa who later on became his general he also had come down to him to meet him for the first time to complain about one of his uh, land which was stuck with the in the revenue uh, this thing so he 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 used to open he was very open minded he used to take opinions from people around him and also another thing is uh, which has been very extremely amazing about him is he had actually scolded his son kharak singh who later on became his successor in front of his darbaris so he 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 believed that that kharak singh he he actually had uh, established thing this thing in his mind that he had to make kharak singh as a successor but still he wanted kharak singh to prove himself on few parameters before he take over his throne so he he literally was not under uh, this uh, this thing that under the love of his son that he had to just simply pass over his this thing but unfortunately after his death in just a span of 8 to 10 years a sick bachha actually got finished and by 1849 uh, britishers took control of uh, uh, the area also another thing about the diplomacy of maharaj ranjit singh this is the treaty of amritsar is one of the biggest the best display of one of the the best manifestation of how he was able to diplomatically handle the the foreign powers but again another thing is how the lord william bentick who had abolished sati in 1829 he actually had sent maharaj uh, hari singh nalwa Uh, to shimla and to calcutta to meet him to basically forge ties with him because at few instances there used to be some quarrels between and few skirmishes happened between britishers and uh, sikh empire but still he managed to take control of all that uh, only because of his far sightedness and his wisdom and his uh, diplomacy uh, i just want to ask uh, do you think that this whole area i mean um, baluchistan and northwest frontier province uh, it will all now become a second tibet second tibet yes because so I many said, so many chinese soldiers are there i, I, I certainly see that happening certainly yes. th- lakhs of chinese uh, people are being settled yes, there to absolutely true sir those areas are at the cusp of uh, civil war right now the way the demographic transition is happening because of the chinese incursion in the area the baluch tribes the pashto tribes they also have a fighting going on since long years so and the, because of the dominance of punjab uh in pakistan it's going to create a lot of problems in those areas and all these refugees they might come to india and they would like to mm. take shelter sir my question is that uh, as you mentioned uh, the battle of panipat in 1761 fought between afghans and marathas but before we can see there was a alliance between marathas and sikhs yes, as yes. as you said jassa singh aluwalia yes, and yes, ala singh jat yes, yes, yes. they have fought uh, against afghans with marathas yes, have yes. alliance in battle of lahore and atok yes, yes. so uh, there is a question that uh, what happened to them in 1761 yashwantha holkar wanted maharaj ranjit singh to help him for the united cause of hindu hindutva and that was the that was the charter which he had taken when he had met him he said that for the sake of hindutva we need be forces need to come together we have to fight now the problem at that point of time was maharaj ranjit singh was already if you see the wars if you see whether it was a war of kasur whether it was war of rohtas whether it was war of sialkot all that was happening at the same point of time he also maharaj ranjit singh was trying to think what exactly is going to be the britishers step next step to or whether they want to get into a war with sikh soldiers or whether sikh empire or whether marathas are going to be uh, helpful and loyal to the sikhs in, in that war 
Now, if you see, read the Treaty of Amritsar also in 1809, it actually took a lot of time. Like even Metcalf, when he was there, present, he was not convinced whether he has to enter into the treaty or not. It was his master, Lord Minto in 1809, who had given him the orders, okay, fine, the Napoleon is not coming this side, so fine, we are happy to uh, have a war with him. Now, the problem with Marathas at that point of time was the Marathas also were completely fragmented. In Pune, yes, yes, yes. So the Peshwa had some uh, different opinion about how they have to control because, because they were the first control, they were the first who had got control of Atok uh, in the uh, yes. So the problem was that they did not had posed faith in the ability of uh, the other the of Jasmant Rahulkar. In fact, Mahajan Ranjit Singh also said and he verbally abused him. He said that if you, you can read that the instance is there in the Kushwan Singh's book also, if I'm not mistaken. He said that I don't trust this man because on the face he says that he under the garb of Hindutva we should be united towards each other. At the same point of time, I, I don't know whose espionage he is, whose agent he is. So he did not have post faith in the Jasmand uh, Rao Holkar. And also by 1809 things had changed because down south towards Satluj, uh, Britishers had already made a line of control where they said that okay fine we have to take uh, control of this area. So, Jasmandra Holkar was not seen as somebody whom he had, whom he had trust blindly upon. My question is, uh, is it true that uh, in Maharaja Ranjit Singh's empire, uh, the punishment for cow slaughter was capital yes, punishment? Yes, 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 and yes. how did he manage to implement it if most of the areas that he ruled over yes. were Muslim majority? Yes, yes, so, so, was cow slaughter not that prominent in those times? It as was it is prominent, today? but it was all because of his goodwill and uh, the fear which he had instilled. See, the, the thing with uh, Mahajan Ranjit Singh was that he was very clear that, okay, fine, I am giving you freedom to practice your religion. You practice your custom, you practice your faith, you practice your religion, but at the same point of time, don't uh, intervene and don't violate the customs and the sanctity of the other religions also who are living with you. So all the communities, if you see, they were very happy. They also, the, like you said, the cow slaughter, cow slaughter was banned at that time. So the practice was prevalent because obviously the most of the people who were in the plains of Satluj and uh, Indus, they all had come from down west, whether it was Afghanis, whether it was uh, you know, uh, Turks who had settled from uh, all the areas. So it was prevalent, but it was sheer because of the sheer goodwill and his uh, discipline that he could control all those. The, you mentioned that if Ranjit Singh had not been able to uh, get the whole of uh, northwest area, the uh, the Islamic Islamization of the uh, area would have been complete and thorough. I think it's too late a venture because uh, Islam had been into India by that time for almost about 700 yes, years. Yes, yes. So most of Islamization had already happened. Mm -hmm. So really, really nothing much we can uh, attribute to uh, mm -hmm. uh, say that conquer, uh, conquest of Ranjit Singh led to countering the Islamic invasion of the culture, a prevalent culture mm -hmm. here. So, the, when the Treaty of Amritsar was happening, at that time Charles Metcalf had given a proposal to the Ranjit Singh in which he said that there were three conditions. First is that you acknowledge the status of Sikhs as the most favoured nation, as the Sikh sovereignty. Second was that you are not supposed to enter into any agreement with French when French armies come towards India. So, Sikhs had given a counter-proposal in which they had not admitted the fact that they won't enter into any alliance with French at that time. And this is quoted, you can find it in the public domain. 
Sikhs had acknowledged that fine, we are happy to give you that status of most favored nation and uh, separate sovereign country or whatever you want. But they had never said. So, so I'm not saying. I'm saying. So all I'm saying is that what was on record was that Sikhs had never denied that. Obviously, they, they never had this thing that that they want to be friends with uh, Napoleon Bonaparte if he's coming. But on the paper, that proposal, if you read what had, the agreement that had happened between Charles Metcalf and Maharaja Ranjit Singh at that point of time, the discussions, the first draft discussion that had happened, in that he nowhere said that I am not going to be part of French. He just said that first you acknowledge my status as a sovereign status of Sikh Empire. Now, second thing, the, the most important question which you had raised, and it's very important. Now, I have a, a theory to it. So, see, in 1819, when Maharaja Ranjit Singh had taken control of Kashmir at that point of time if you see sir the areas of ladakh the areas of kashmir yeah, it was and he was the first ruler after 500 years after temur lang had attacked attacked in 1398 he had attacked kashmir and he made incursions there after 1398 he was the first king to go there the kashmiri pandits at that point of time were 4 to 5% in the valley <coughs> and jabbar khan who was the ruler who whom maharaja ranjit singh had defeated in 1819 and he actually left without giving any resistance he came he literally had started killing and butchering kashmiri hindus at that point of time so 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 what i'm saying is he would have had completely islamized the area and 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 those 40 years and so i tell you why because those were the most volatile that was the most volatile time it's the 18th century and 19th century we talk about between the clashes of Hi, I'm Bhavya. I'm uh, studying seventh class. I have a question that if uh, Maharaja Ranjit Singh was a capable uh, administrator who gave peace and prosperity to the country in different modes, what happened uh, after the ba- uh, battles and the wars about the destruction which happened in the country? This which destruction happened? All the battles which were there. You're talking about the battles which Maharaja Ranjit Singh yeah. and uh, Hari Singh Nalwa had fought. what he uh, did to uh, come over the destruction which happened in his country he he literally resettled a lot of people and if i tell you the instance of peshawar the very very right question you have asked in peshawar when he had taken control from those khan those those khan and uh, mohammed those mohammed at that time he had allowed all the businesses to continue he he said that no interruption is going to happen in the personal lives of and that again has been quoted by various historians he literally did not made any effort to convert people to to subjugate to subjugate them under any other faith or to impose his religion or his uh, you know belief or faith onto the local public so that instance has been quoted that how benevolently he had taken control of peshawar at that point of time yeah hi i i would like to know one thing see uh, in uh, ranjit singh's uh, biography that kushwan singh writes hmm. so Ranjit Singh wants to expand towards the sea by conquering Sindh yes, and yes, going yes, down. Yes, 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 yes. And he negotiates with the British that I would like to take over that area but they I think they give reference to the treaty of Amritsar that your boundaries are fixed at the Satluj. So repeatedly the British have made they make attempts to so that he is no confined, stuck in a particular confined, area confined so why do we not uh, isn't there a parallel way of thinking that maybe the British were using Ranjit Singh just as a buffer state? because they were repeatedly because india had a had a historical problem of invasions from the northwest so the british were just using him till the time they gained sufficient strength because once you see that they conquered sindh 
and they were coming at him from the east yes, yes. and once he passes away they it doesn't take them a lot of time to just get rid of the sikh kingdom and divide them and then so what about that can you yes yes so ranjit singh had an idea ranjit singh wanted to conquer sindh and at that point of time it was a great chance for him because the amils of sindh they literally the, the infighting was going among them and but at the same point of time like the gentleman had mentioned that sikh all uh, the british has always always wanted sikh as a buffer state i say uh, punjab as a buffer state against all the incursions and all the uh, inv- inv- invasion that is happening from the northwest but what I, what was happened was if you have to see sir sindh is down south he had gone till bahawalpur which is the southern part of the punjab state but the problem was that beyond that even he did not had that uh, ability his army did not had that ability to fight with the with the armies because armies ultimately they he knew that he would be backed by the britishers so i completely agree with you sir that when you say the when you propose the fact that it they always used him as a buffer state yes it is true but having said that i would still like to add one thing is that he never succumbed to all the things which britishers had asked him to do now suppose i'll give you the instance like the the way he got integrated the kangra fort the britishers did not wanted him to move towards the today which is himachal which is the eastern side so he did not listen to them he decided to take control of the area because he knew that this was important for his rule at the same time he never let britishers use him as a puppet to get into the uh, the areas which were towards hunza towards gilgit which we call uh, towards russia so all those aspects he he definitely took care of he never let britishers used him completely as a stooge so i agree that there were issues that i mean punjab always was used by as a buffer state but at the same time britishers also knew that it is not very easy for them to challenge because obviously i mean they were also involved in so many wars at the same point of time the fourth uh, uh, uh your they were planning to march towards afghanistan they were busy ba- battling in the plains with the marathas so all those things were going on and they uh, how many british soldiers were there at that point of time yeah i have a question about the legal system that you briefly spoke about so based on what you said i recall you're saying that different subjects could follow their own yes. personal laws as determined by their communities so how does that hold lesson for us in a modern state because in a modern state the unit of legislation is an individual not communities so how how does that become so, sir, a good example uh, uh, for us so it it is not a viable example i i completely agree with you but at the same time we have to understand what was the state of affairs at that point of time the kind of people whom he was ruling upon the kind of communities the the clashes that were happening like i said he was a minority ruler of a majoritarian population so he had to control that and at the same point of time he was facing strong britishers so about talking about the social aspect and the cultural and the religious aspect the way he handled it i completely agree that it was not a it's not a perfect case case study for a modern state but at the same point of time understanding from where this he was coming from the way he got all the entire small small areas small provinces under his uh, umbrella and the way he dealt with all those uh, people and those communities is something which is i would say is a great example